Hello and welcome to the Courage Project podcast. I am your host, Elise Vickers, and today I have the absolute honor to bring to you a conversation about self-care and the healing power of the body with Susan Newman. Susan is a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture with nearly 20 years of experience in making holistic healing modalities accessible in the westernized world. She had the incredible opportunity to study traditional Chinese medicine at its source in Yunnan, China, and has brought back a wealth of knowledge and experience that she has shared with myself, her clients, her loved ones, and will share with you today. Susan has been helping me heal through acupuncture and moxibustion, and I have been absolutely fascinated by everything she has taught me in our sessions together. I came into acupuncture for the first time with an open and naive mind and learned from Susan's wealth of knowledge about traditional Chinese medicine. What I didn't know was that this would soon be the foundation of my philosophy of health in my life. Susan, thank you for coming on The Courage Project. It is such a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me, Elise. So before we get any further into the conversation, as you may know, I like to start the conversation with a collective deep present breath. Mm. Are you willing to do this with me? Please. Okay, amazing. So ready? Inhale for four. Hold at the top and exhale it all out. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's just dive right in. First question for you today, what is acupuncture and the philosophy that underlies it? And how did you find acupuncture? I found acupuncture probably about 20 years ago when I first started in energy healing. That's where I started my journey Mm -hmm. in holistic healing. And I worked at a clinic who had a fantastic doctor of acupuncture and I had a toothache and he put one needle in only and I was able to get through the rest of my day pain free from this one tiny needle that he put in and it just blew my mind. And from that moment on, I just wanted to learn more and more and more about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in China, it is completely its own uh, medical system and they integrate it with Western knowledge also. Okay, so in China they do have both Western knowledge and... They do, yeah, Mm. absolutely. So the hospital that I was in actually um, has an integrative approach, so they use both there. Okay, cool. Yeah. So then it just, from that one experience, came into you getting into practicing it? Absolutely, I just started to really question what Chinese medicine was all about, and I learned all about the five elements, and um, it just kind of simmered under the surface of my healing life for quite some time, until I had the time and energy to go back to school. (laughs) Okay, so this was post-education? Yeah, pre Oh, yeah, okay. pre. So 20, 20 years ago, this started. I worked at a clinic in um, South Calgary a little bit. And yeah, so then I became a massage therapist after that. Right. And then when I was 40, it was like, okay, you better get in there and do this or yeah. it's, it's getting a little late. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that you still went and did it too. You followed your heart. Yeah. A lot absolutely. of people would think it's too late at that point. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I knew I knew for me it was just the next step in my journey. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. 
And so you mentioned the five elements. So my next kind of question is how can we leverage our body's inherent ability to heal itself with those five elements and what are they? That's a good question. So the five elements are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And those five elements all control specific functions and organs and emotions. All the elements have a corresponding vibrational pattern, a food that they like best, a temperature that they like best. For instance, wood is the element um, and that controls the liver and the gallbladder. Mm -hmm. So when we look at Chinese medicine, we look at the five elements and we do a very complete diagnostic of what's going on in your body and we can tell based on your symptoms which element is out of balance. And so we look at either reducing the element that's out of balance, maybe it's the wood element is too chaotic right now, so we can reduce the element or we can um, go to the element afterwards and have that draw more energy out there. So. It's a very reciprocal relationship with the five elements. Yeah, so are most people out of balance with the five elements? Yeah, I mean, that's just life and it kind of is like exercise, you know, we have to keep it up and keep doing practices that keep us balanced. And what would that be acupuncture? Is there anything else? Yeah, there's lots of things. So traditional Chinese medicine is kind of the umbrella Acupuncture is one, exercise is another, diet therapy we call it, food is a big, big part of Chinese medicine, Um, your spirituality and your connection to something bigger than you, your connection to your community, these are all factors that play a part in in health. Mm, So is each of those factors that you just listed attached to a certain element or do each element kind of... Yeah, each element goes through and has connection to each of those things. So, for instance, in your case, we were looking at kind of an earth element um, disharmony. And so that is the spleen in the stomach. And so we would look at giving you foods to help deal with that and also exercise to help deal with that. A lot of times with spleen and stomach imbalances, there is too much thought process going on. And so we <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, look at maybe me. you need to meditate a little bit or yeah. yeah. Okay. So is that one of the more common is there one that's more common that's off balance? You know, it depends on where in the world you live on. Calgary is a very, we call it a very livery city. So uh, we're all go, go, go here and very driven. And that Mm. tends to wear down the liver energy. So Mm. in Calgary, we see a lot of liver cheese stagnation, we call it. And that was the the wood element. Wood element, yes. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. And then in other parts, like when I was in China, we tr- we treated a lot of stroke actually there, which was, I mean, mm. they everything, but yeah. that is from the wind coming in. So right. too much wind and yeah. So each specific um, element has a way that it goes out and you work with the other elements within the five to help balance. Yeah. It's like a closed system. Right. Mm-hmm. So... So we talked about 
the wind element with strokes, that kind of thing. And it was wood that we were working on for me with my digestion. Wood and earth for you. Yeah. Yes. So Mm -hmm. the other ones, what are they most commonly tied to? So a fire element imbalances connected to the heart and the small intestine. So you might see someone is very manic. Maybe they're too fired up in their heart, or maybe they have some heart um, deficiency problems, so they're quite sad and low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so every element also has a yin part and a yang. In China, right. they call it yang. Western, we say yang. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in China, they look at both. So you have the yin, which is the physical, and then the yang is the energetic. Okay. So if we're looking at the heart element, which is fire, sorry, at the fire element, um, we have the heart, which is the yin organ, and its balance is uh, the small intestine. Right, and I remember you explaining it to me in the way that um, it's yang, the small intestine is yang because it moves through, is that right? Correct, yes, yes. And then why was the heart yin? Yin organs are actually solid organs. So they are things that hold things generally. Right. Yeah. Kidneys are yin. Heart is yin. Liver is yin. Mm. Yeah. And things that process and move are yang. Right. So we talked about, I know you very briefly mentioned chi energy. And I actually just recently discovered that this is the same thing as prana in Sanskrit. So if that resonates with anyone... um, I've been so fascinated, though, ever since you introduced that concept to me. So can you tell us a bit about what is chi energy and where it flows, what happens when the flow is disrupted? Sure. So you're right. Chi and prana, same thing, just different words. And so chi we get through two sources. The food that we eat can give us chi energy, and also the air that we breathe give us chi energy. Mm-hmm. So through those two things, it's what fuels our body, if you right. think about that. So that can, for instance, last summer when we had all those forest fires and all the smoke was really, really bad, we had a lot of really low chi because people's lungs were really suffering. So they weren't able to intake a lot of fresh, clean air. Yeah. And so that really does show up in low energy. You don't have enough energy to move your body. Mm. So that's just something that everyone kind of collectively experienced. Yes. But most people probably wouldn't have known that was why. Exactly. Yeah. They wouldn't have realized it had to do with their actual internal chi. And there is no, I mean, you can eat also that will bring in the chi, but at the lung level, um, there's something called zong chi, where it takes the food that you eat and the air that you breathe and it transforms it into overall chi in your body Mm. and when you say zong chi is that another energy yeah it's something that is made from as i said from the food and the air and it's just kind of more finely refined down okay so is that something that's readily available that everyone can yes absolutely okay Mm -hmm. so basically if you are out of balance with your chi energy you're gonna feel low energy and tired fatigued exactly is there anything else that kind of comes from that 
Or is that the main? Um, well, definitely it could. I mean, depends on with health. It's always a chicken or an egg thing. Mm -hmm. So first it can start in your energetic field first. Yeah. Then it can move into your physical once the low chi is into your physical, like maybe there's a breathing problem going on, that's going to affect your blood transfusion late and your blood won't be as oxygenated right? because you're not bringing in fresh air. Yeah. So that leads to muscle fatigue, that leads to digestive fatigue, mm. all sorts of ways down the line that can play out. And I guess in that sense, there probably isn't really anything you can do to get it back flowing and back in balance oh definitely there's okay. something called qigong and oh okay yeah so qigong is very specific movements for the organs mm. so there's very specific lung qi movements to open up your energy channels and it works like with prana with breathing deep so as you're doing the movement you're opening the channel bringing in the breath and then circulating it Okay. Through the movement. Qigong. Is that a type of therapy too? Like can people go and receive that? Or? Mm, it's a type of exercise yeah. and there's something called medical qigong. So if mm -hmm. someone comes to me with a, an imbalance in a specific organ, I can give them specific exercises to treat those specific things. In China, they get up, they do it in the streets at like five in the morning. You see all the people out in the park and they play music over the speaker wherever you are. So you can literally stop on the sidewalk and do it Wow! because it's just sort of part of their culture. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then in terms of the food side of things, is mm -hmm. there certain types of food that do stimulate or take away from chi energy? Absolutely, yeah, good question. So depending on your constitution, if you have a very hot, fiery stomach, you know, and maybe you get a lot of indigestion or that we call that kind of a stomach fire, so we would recommend you take in some cooling foods such as cucumbers and watermelon and leeks and really cooling foods. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, if you have a really sluggish digestion where you're getting bloating and you're not um, digesting very much the recommendations are going to be to take out the hard to digest foods and make it really easy on your system right so chinese medicine is very um specific mm -hmm. yeah according to each person's imbalance yeah so it's not like you're just treating poor digestion it's what is wrong with your digestion that's right yeah, are you digesting it too fast, or are you not digesting it quick enough? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking back to our treatments now and how... So you did the, the pulse, and you looked at my tongue. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about those two things and what you're looking for in that? Absolutely. Tongue and pulse diagnosis are our diagnostic methods that tell us so much. The tongue changes, you know, fairly frequently. Like within a day, you can kind of see changes. And what we look at is we look at the color of your tongue, the tongue body. We look at the shape. Is it scalloped? Does it have teeth mark on the edges? Is it thin? Is it fat? Does it look a little swollen and wet and puffy? And we also look at the coating. Mm -hmm. And we look at where it's kind of red. Maybe it's a more red and swollen on the sides of your tongue. Or maybe it's more red and swollen at the back of your tongue. And so all the different organs are mapped out on the tongue. If you pull up TCM tongue map, 
you can see that the heart and the lungs are on the tip and the liver shows up on the side, the kidneys in the back, and the spleen and the stomach in the very middle of your tongue. Mm -hmm. So in treatment, when you come in, we ask questions and then I say, stick out your tongue. I'm looking <laughs> to see where you're swollen and where there's some kind of dry spots or hot spots. And that tells me a lot of what's going on inside your body. Right. And then the pulse is another way. And the pulse we look at three different positions. So a little bit we're counting the heart rate to see how fast, but mostly we're trying to see that the three positions, and I don't know if you remember this, we talked about the lower part of the body, the middle part of the body, and the upper part of the body. Right. So three different positions on the pulse representing three different positions in the body. And what we want is for them to all be fairly equal in strength. And what we're doing right now, Susan and I both have our our hand on our wrist and right on the thumb side on the radial side where our radial pulse is we have our first three fingers in a in a row yes so you can feel three different spots yeah so we are looking at the strength of the pulse and then there's all these flowery words chinese medicine um, talks about with pulse diagnosis they talk about it like pearls rolling over a plate and very flowery language when you so translate. That's trying to feel what's going on in the pulse. Exactly. Mm. And there's very different. We have a choppy pulse or a racy pulse, and that again tells us what's going on in different areas of your body. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it would take, of course, your skill to be able to tell the difference because I'm sitting here with my fingers on my pulse and I, I just <laughs> feel the same pulse everywhere. Yes. Yes, it does take a little bit. So there's three different positions, and then there's three different depths of pressure mm. that you put in. Yeah. I see. Pulse diagnosis is a very tricky thing to learn. Yeah. But once you get it, it's like, oh. It's fascinating, though. Just through your pulse, what you can... Both of those, your tongue and your pulse. Yes. What you can diagnose. Yes. And the tongue is great for everybody to look at. You can look at your tongue every morning before you brush it yeah. and see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Almost just have like an idea of, you said a TCM tongue map, right? Yes. And just understand it a little bit, understand what you're looking for, and then you can check. Because I actually, now that I've been getting acupuncture with you, one of my problems with my digestion was the scalloped tongue, right? Yes. So I'll, I'll look at my tongue often, mm -hmm. like when I'm brushing my teeth. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, there's the scallops again. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a really great way to kind of self-diagnose what's going on in your body. Mm -hmm. And I think with that, I almost feel like since I've been getting acupuncture treatment with you, mm -hmm. I have a new level of awareness within my own body. And I don't know if that's just mm. part of the acupuncture treatment itself, but also just me coming to treatment and asking you a million questions yeah but I I can pick out those things and I can notice when certain things in my digestion are off and what's causing that yes especially that's... since we did the diet therapy yeah yeah that's really great yeah yeah so it's not even just the treatment itself that has had that impact on me it's just your wealth of knowledge mm, thank you <laughs> And with the chi energy, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it 
the meridians that the chi energy flows through or where do the meridians play into this exactly yeah that's exactly it so we have 12 major meridians in our body and they are energetic channels think of it like wires that run the lights in your house Mm -hmm. so they're under the surface you can't see them but they are there and so yeah there's 12 the yin ones are all on the inside of your limbs on the protected side of the body Mm. and And so that's the ones that flow through yin yes okay yes and so uh and then those ones are all on the inside and then the yang meridians are all on the outside of the body and so it's more held in in those ones um more yes there's definitely more energy in the yang meridians okay yes yeah because they are the ones if you think about it they are the ones that um yang meridians are the ones that as you said things pass through so your stomach is Mm -hmm. very active and processing your large intestine your small intestine those are very active organs those are the yang chi okay yeah right Mm, so what role do the meridians like have you what role does that play in your treatment Okay, so we look at generally an initial, we do quite a big um, diagnostic and figure out, you know, exactly what's going on. How are you sleeping? How's your moods? All those kinds of things. And then based on tongue and pulse and the symptoms that are bothering you, we look at is there an organ that is overacting or is it an organ that is underacting? Mm -hmm. And so based on what we figure out there, we either boost up the energy or we reduce the energy within the meridian itself so that means me putting an acupuncture needle for instance in the large intestine meridian Mm. so this sounds exactly like we were talking at the beginning with those five elements that you'll work either around attacking the one that's not working or a different one to bring it up exactly these work together the meridians and the five elements how yes. do those overlap? so the meridians so the five element is an overall system that the meridians fit into so mm. we have the heart meridian and the organs or sorry <laughs> we have the heart element okay, yeah. um, and then in that we have the heart and the small intestine meridian so right. heart element and then the actual heart physical yin organ right so it just it's a part of it exactly i see yeah okay so what is the most common barrier maybe a mindset barrier that holds people back from exploring chinese medicine and how can we break that barrier today yeah good question um i think people it's kind of foreign it's scary Mm -hmm. language the herbs names are all in pinyin so it's a little bit scary for people if you don't understand what you're taking or yeah i think that's it a lot i get a lot of people who come in for acupuncture and they really just want to know what it is yeah um on a on a way different level than you'd ever ask your doctor you know what's this prednisone what is it right Mm -hmm. but they really are curious about chinese medicine and the herbs and all the things that it does yeah yeah I know because I never grew up with that in my household so I never had an understanding of it so it was the same for me it was almost a mindset barrier of not knowing what it is and 
not really having many people that I knew that were exploring traditional Chinese medicine. Yes. So, yeah, when I say at the beginning I came in with a naive mind, I really did not know when I came here for that first appointment what I was getting into. (laughs) Like when you started asking me questions and telling me about the tongue and the Mm -hmm. pulse and the five elements, I was quite literally fascinated because I expected to just come in here and have some needles stuck in me and Mm -hmm. I really didn't know what to expect so I think it's one of those things almost you have to experience to believe it I think so I think you're right and that's kind of one of my goals with this clinic is really just letting people know that there are other options out there for healthcare, Mm -hmm. and um East and West can work together. We have great tools on both sides. And the beauty thing about Chinese medicine is I don't do anything other than put the needles in the correct spot. It's your body and Mm -hmm. your brain that does all the work. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Because we are, I think we are as a Western society so quick to take up a medication that's prescribed to us by a doctor. Mm -hmm. But... What I've learned from you and my experience with acupuncture is that our bodies have such a great capacity naturally to just heal itself with the right diet, with the right simulation of energy. and Exactly, 100%. Yeah. That is the thing. Our bodies want to be balanced. They want to stay in homeostasis. Yeah. We just make it really hard for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if we give ourselves exactly the right tools and the right exercise... And just part of it is just laying on my treatment table, honestly, for 30 minutes and not doing anything. Mm, Yeah, that's my favorite part of (laughs) acupuncture. Yes. (laughs) Have some good meditations. Yes. So you mentioned the word homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about homeostasis and what disrupts that state and how we can bring ourselves, our whole selves, emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, back into homeostasis? Yeah, sure. That's a big question in today's world. (laughs) (laughs) But there is so many ways that we get out of, um, out of balance, out of homeostasis. And I think the biggest thing in our Western world is we don't exercise enough. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have a spiritual connection, um, or, or connection to the earth or, you know, Mm -hmm. and food. Our fast food diets are really doing damage to us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the best way for us to stay in homeostasis where our body wants to be is to sleep, is to drink water, is to take your shoes off in the grass and walk barefoot, to do deep breathing every day, and just pay attention to your body. So if if you eat something and you get full body hives, that's your body giving you a message that I don't like that food. Mm-hmm. But it's also the same if we eat a Big Mac and we get a stomach ache. But most of us ignore that and eat the Big Mac again, right? That's so true. Yeah. I've heard somewhere that uh, it was a quote they just said, the disease is the cure. So mm. when you do have those symptoms, it's your body trying to get rid of those toxins, that Big Mac. That's that a very interesting, yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, homeopathy is another kind of bigger um, type of medicine that is used, and that is based on like treats like. Mm. Same thing. <laughs> like treats like. So yeah. what do you mean by that? So if you have... Um, 
like histamine issue, like hives, they're going to give you an actual histamine medication. Right, right. So if the histamine is the problem, they'll give you more histamine. So your body can just naturally... Well, that's how vaccines work, right? Exactly. Yeah. Most of them anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with a spiritual practice, let's go into that a little bit because that was one thing you said most people don't have. Yeah. How can someone develop a spiritual practice and what does it mean to have one? Mm, that's a good question. And I think today's world, I mean, we used to have, you know, the church used to have a very big influence on our lives. And, and then when we moved away from the church, the churches are still there, of course. But mm-hmm. um, as a community, we're not so involved in that. And yeah. I think we have just, and if you talk to indigenous people, we've lost our connection to the earth, you know. Right. So I think that is it. It doesn't have to be any particular praying to one particular God or universe or whatever your language is. But I think the thing is knowing that we are not the top of the food chain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are not the highest power. Exactly. And I think that right there, just knowing to surrender into Mm -hmm. something that is bigger than you. Yeah. And not try and control everything. Yeah, and I like that you just say it's something bigger than you, because I think that spirituality often gets woven into the same basket as religion, and that's what holds people back from developing that spiritual practice, among other things like the busy lifestyle we live and all the other factors, but Mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely spirituality and religion are not one spirituality can be part of religion but it can be its own thing as well exactly yeah and so in chinese medicine we really talk about um qigong as kind of a spiritual exercise as well Mm -hmm. because as you're doing the movements you are actually drawing the energy from the universe so you can give yourself more qi in your lungs by breathing deeper or you can do these exercises where you're actually bringing energy into the meridians from the outside source. Mm. Meditation is part of that. Yeah. All these practices. I definitely have never looked into Qigong, so I want to explore that a little bit more for Yeah, sure. I don't think we talked about it much in your no. sessions at all. Yeah. yeah. I also want to discuss a little bit about your experience traveling to China and studying there. Mm. How did it offer unique perspectives to your practice and just life in general? Sure. Traveling to China was something I knew I had to do. As soon as I signed up for acupuncture school, I was like, I'm going to have to go there and learn from the best. And so after I finished my um, schooling here, we had to do 2,500 hours of clinical treatment. And 2,500 hours, exactly. (laughs) That's a lot of hours. And so in a typical student clinic in Calgary, you might see five to eight people a day. But I went to China, and I went to what I was told is the Banff of China in Yunnan. And Mm. there we saw over 100 people every single day. So it was a very intensely um, immersive experience. That's a... 
100 people in a day. 100. So in this room that we're sitting on, there would be 40 people sitting in here, just sitting in chairs. Someone might be lying down. And you literally go in. We had a translator with us because they're, lots of them do speak English, but um, they don't want to. Right. So we have a translator. And we would go in and very quickly do Ignite Diagnostic put the needles in, go on to the next chair, mm-hmm. talk to them, and somebody else would come and take needles out. So you literally wow. only see them when you're diagnosing and putting needles in, and then you leave and go to the next person and the next person and the next person. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like the experience that I had that was so zen and <laughs> no. relaxing. Not at all. Oh. There it is very, very medical. So it's more treated. Like you can think of it as going to a visit to your family physician or something that's exactly how they look at it yeah and in the hospital I was in they had very specific floors so they had a pediatric floor and a geriatric floor and they had a stroke ward and uh I don't know all different wards treating different specific things there wow and so you would go if you were a patient you would go to the hospital say you fell and hurt your back Mm -hmm. they would do an x-ray or a ct scan whatever they needed and then they would send you up to the acupuncture ward to get acupuncture on the way out of the hospital you get your herbal prescription and you might also get a western drug if they thought it was warranted so very integrated there okay Mm mm-hmm I like that they do have that integration, too. Oh, yeah. Because they're just using all the tools available, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost strange that we don't typically do that here. Yeah, it is. Honestly, it's a competition thing, I think. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's all part of that. I hope we get there. In the States, um, Chinese medicine doctors have primary care status. Yeah. So you can go to someone like me as your family physician. Oh. So down there they have um, access to x-rays and ultrasounds and all those things that we had to learn how to do in school, but we're just not allowed to do it in Canada. Hmm. Yeah. So you know how to use all those. Absolutely. Yeah, it was part of my schooling. That's so interesting. Yeah. So what did you do in while you were studying outside of your studies and outside of your work in China? Yeah, good question. So (laughs) at night we would wander off. I went with a few colleagues that I went to school with and one of my instructors came with us. And uh, we, someone had a book called The Lonely Planet and in Mm. there there was a recommendation if you're ever in this city you have to go to this restaurant. So one of our fun excursions where we went to this restaurant and it was a little tiny place, you know, and we're the only Caucasians in the (laughs) restaurant. And the recommendation was to get the bug platter, <laughs> deep fried bugs. And so, but the server no. didn't speak English and she was terrified that we had ordered the wrong thing. So she kept asking, are you sure? Are you sure? And we we're like, yes, but she didn't believe us. So she sent for someone, a fan or family member, someone who spoke English. So we sat the there. For, yes. So they came and he's like, they just want to make sure this is what you want. And so, yeah, it was like deep fried um, larva and there was slugs and grasshoppers. Oh, I don't know if I would be open to this. So you were you were just ready for this? You ready. Were open to the experience. Totally. And everyone was. Not everyone. There was two colleagues who actually ate at Subway every day. 
Uh, now I'm very curious to know what is your review on these <laughs> I would I would do it again you know I really? really do I'm quite adventurous that way yeah it tasted like salty bacon really like just crunchy and salty <laughs> yeah I'm still trying to process all of this <laughs> salty bacon so we did that and I mean pig's feet they're very common or sorry chicken's feet and so one of my colleagues uh she loved chicken feet so she didn't no not (laughs) my thing (laughs) what is that like crunchy i guess yeah she would kind of suck the meat off the toes (laughs) that's a lot for me (laughs) but good for you i feel like you gotta be adventurous when you're going to those places absolutely so yeah we walked everywhere and we took a night train up to the northern part, northwestern edge of China. And I forget the city we were in. Oh, it was called Dali. And mm-hmm. we were told there that there was 55 different dialects of Chinese spoken in that one city. Wow. Because people had just immigrated from everywhere in China. But they can all understand all 50. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. I mean, there's problems, but yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was really an incredible experience. Yeah, so I would imagine you would recommend. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I would. De- it, I mean, China is such a crazy mix of very, very old buildings, and mm-hmm. then across the street there's a flashy neon, you know, club or whatever. Yeah. Like it's just such a crazy place of new and old. Almost futuristic. Yeah. Some of the stuff. Yes. That's cool. Like, would you recommend? studying abroad there if possible or just the travel in general or is... oh definitely I mean I love travel I would there's probably nowhere I wouldn't like to yeah. see at least once you know have you been back there since not since yeah. no that was 2016 2015 I think okay. and I haven't been back since no yeah but there is an internship um in Taiwan I'd actually love to go do Ooh. yeah we'll see it's on oncology they're much more advanced there in TCM, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's so valuable, too, to go get that education right at the source. Yeah. And bring it back to your practice here. Absolutely. That's so... I doubt that there's too many people around here that have that same experience. Yeah, I don't know. I guess there was a couple colleagues of mine that did also do that. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure. I think anybody who has the opportunity should definitely take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to acupuncture then. Can you put into words, if this is possible, the impact that it's had on your life? Like maybe how you were before discovering it versus now after discovering it? Yeah, that's a very good question. I guess acupuncture Chinese medicine is kind of an overall you said it best it's kind of an overall way of viewing the world Mm. and so everything can be translated into Chinese medicine the flow of the river or the growth of the tree there's all metaphoric language that fits into the five elements and so it's very hard for me to separate my life now my whole view is the Chinese medicine view of life yeah and so I'm always thinking about balance huh. in almost everything. That's so cool. But I'm sure you weren't always thinking that way. No, goodness, yeah. no. When I started 20 years ago, my prior career in my 20s, I was in architectural drafting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. 
That's very contrasting. Yeah. yeah. So I did that for quite a few years. And then my mom got sick. She got cancer. And I started to just look into alternative healthcare. That's ultimately how I got into this industry. Mm-hmm. So I just started to look into energy healing and all sorts of ways to help her through that. And I was just fascinated by this whole other medical system that existed that I didn't know anything about. And it did? Did it help her? She, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So she did a lot of alternative um, medicine cares throughout the course of her treatment, but it was brain cancer, and so she ultimately ended up dying. But mm-hmm. it really did make her stay more comfortable. Yeah. yeah, and that's what's important. Exactly, yeah. And I think we talked a bit before that you've done, so of course you do acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine, herbal mm-hmm. medicine, and all the things you mentioned before, but you said you'd done some Reiki and massage and such too. Yeah, in my early part of my career I started in, Reiki was actually where I started, and then I moved into massage therapy, and I took reflexology and shiatsu, iridology, hot stone massage, Indian head massage, I could go on and on. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but when I started uh, TCM, I kind of let all that go. Yeah. Not, I mean, it's still there, and I still do use it in treatment, but I just find that Chinese medicine is such a beautiful, broad scope of things that all these other things, I would be like, yeah, energy healing is great, but really you need some Chinese herbs. Right. Yeah. And it's still, like you said, plays into your treatment today. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All that knowledge is there and used. Yeah. Is there anything else before we wrap up the conversation that you feel we've missed in this conversation that you want to share? Or any last words? Sure. I guess I would just say for anybody who is interested in looking at alternative health methods, if you have anything going on in your body, chances are Chinese medicine has an answer for you. And so there's a lot of things that Western medicine can do for you. Maybe you do need to take a pill, but there are other options. And I think it's nice to at least seek out different practitioners if you're going through a health concern and find out what options are out there for you. Yeah, and I think, like was the case for me, it takes coming into this, if you've never explored any sort of Chinese medicine before, coming into it with an open mind mm-hmm. and just being open to receiving that healing, and that's a lot of, plays a lot of a role in it does. The effectiveness of it. Absolutely. Just being open and and waiting to see what it can do for you. Because yeah. Chinese medicine can be very quick to fix a problem, but oftentimes it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. And we forget about the headache that was there for three months when it's gone suddenly. We're like, what headache? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty much if there's any anything going on in your body you can go to Chinese medicine absolutely yeah and also correct me if I'm wrong but you can also treat anxiety depression and other mental illnesses as well anything internal that's going on yeah yeah and acupuncture has so many different so my scope I like to work in the five element theory but there's something called esoteric acupuncture where practitioners work with the chakra systems in the body. Mm. Like, there are so many different branches of it okay. that, yeah, you could look into. But anything mm. that you would go see a Western doctor for, you can come see a Chinese medicine doctor for also. 
Amazing. Yeah. I think this is so valuable just to... Because I wish I would have heard this perspective and understood a bit about this before having stumbled upon it myself, you know? Yeah. I think it could have been a big help in my life. (laughs) Absolutely. Anxiety. I treat that a lot with the young teenagers these days. There's so Mm -hmm. many people suffering from anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And Chinese medicine really does shine there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well... Thank you so much for coming on, Susan. I want to also give you a chance to give people the opportunity to connect with you further. How can they look into your services or just connect with you? Sure. Thanks for having me on, first of all. This is my great passion, and I love to talk about Chinese medicine any chance I get. So the best way to reach me, I offer free 15-minute consults. So anybody who wants to just come in or we can do it over the phone to just chat and find out how I can help you, you can reach me at wellnessonfirst.com. Okay, we'll link that in the description of the episode as well so you have that easy access. Perfect. And yeah, thank you again. Great, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode and for making The Courage Project your podcast of choice today. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation or any of the conversations we've been having on the podcast the last few weeks, I invite you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It truly fills my heart up to read these reviews, so I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart, and with so much love and gratitude, I want to send you the best wishes for a beautiful week ahead, and I will see you in the next episode.